Hi, this is Mike D'Agostino with Information Security Media Group, publishers of BankInfoSecurity.com and CUInfoSecurity.com. We recently attended the RSA Conference 2007, the premier information security conference representing more than 200 comprehensive educational sessions and close to 400 of the top vendors in the InfoSec industry. The following audio is a selection of recordings taken on the expo floor where industry-leading vendors of all shapes and sizes presented their products and services to attendees. We encountered all kinds of vendor solutions ranging from multi-factor authentication to database encryption and security to automated regulatory compliance. We hope you find their take on specifically the banking and finance industry as intriguing as we did. Vendor interviews and recordings are presented in alphabetical order and please note that we are not endorsing any particular vendor or product. We are just reporting on their take on the finance industry. Enjoy. Okay, we're speaking with Eric from 86 Technologies. Um, they deal with uh, data leakage. I'm going to ask Eric, what is the uh, technology about and how does it pertain to financial institutions? Uh, we at 86 Technologies are an appliance-based vendor. We've recently signed a deal, announced it here at RSA, to provide a data leakage product uh, from a very good vendor. And essentially what the product does is uh, we, we fingerprint uh, documents and databases with, within the network. And once they are fingerprinted, we, we put a, an appliance at the gateway uh, that will recognize any of that data in any form or in any quantity going out. Continually monitor. Continually. And then um, we put rules in the appliance that say, well, once you see that, that, that type of data going out, what do we do with it? Sometimes, depending on uh, on the rule set, we could, quant we could quarantine it, we could block it, we could send alerts to people, we could let it go and send alerts. There's a number of different things you can do on, on the end, but, but basically you'll know what data Data is coming and going from your from your network, um, and and uh, the the beauty of a product like this is is it works not only with your email system for attached documents, which is kind of the obvious first place, but even if you cut and paste pieces out of that and use your your Yahoo or Hotmail account, it will catch that. Or if you send it out through an IM message, um, or or if you attach it uh, in some other form, cut it in a PowerPoint and put it out. Our technology has the ability to track all of those different uh, vehicles to send it outside your network. So, so it keeps you uh, understanding w when your data is, is coming and going. So it's really, uh, really important for uh, financial institutions employees that may not necessarily know what they're sending, what's going back and forth. Oh, exactly. So there's, there's malicious, you know, people who right. do this intentionally. This is accidental. Right. right. I have two Garys in my Outlook database, and one of them's internal and one of them's not. Sure. We, sure. Can, we can mix those up. Okay. And now, what does this do for? Um, banks and credit unions to satisfy regulatory uh, requirements? Well, you know, if you have a policy about, uh, uh, you know, your, your data and, and you have a product in place, at least you have a defensible, I've, I've got a strategy, I've got the tools, and, and, and I can monitor and I can know what happened. If you don't have those and, and you're subjected to an audit, you don't have much to say. Sure. If you don't, if you don't have the policy the, and the tools and the monitoring in place, um, you're kind of in, in a rock and a hard place. And your systems will be able to um, provide a report, basically something that yeah. they can show to prove to auditors that they come in that, yes, they are indeed doing something to address these issues. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in 86, we're very big in reporting and archiving the data um, for, for all, all of the products that we have. So it's going to be one of our strengths is the okay. reporting side. Okay. Thank you very much. Eric from 86 Technologies. Thanks very much. We're here with Arabian Software. Arabian Software, Scott and Bill. and Bill, interviewing them about their thoughts on the finance industry, specifically um, IT and compliance issues. What is the number one most difficult hurdle for banks and credit unions to keep track of as far as regulatory compliance goes? Just keeping track of you know all of the changes in their environment from a day-to-day -day perspective. Uh, uh, everybody knows that regulations are changing all of the time, but what they, uh, what what often gets overlooked is that their environment is changing as well. So understanding how their environment changes and how they can consistently apply uh, sound security and IT practices to that environment in order to more effectively. 
actually make sure that they've met all of their external requirements. Okay. And then speaking of requirements and reporting, I mean, how important it is, is it, I mean, it's obviously a paramount importance, especially for financial institutions. You know, every year they have to go through, they have to show proof that, you know, they're keeping controls on everything. I mean, uh, how difficult is that? I mean, what do, what do most banks deal with? I mean, are they sort of going through Excel spreadsheets or do they have some kind of solution such as Rabion's that can, that can handle this? Well, vis visibility is critical. I think, uh, you know, certainly uh, the first step was just getting their hands around the problem and, you know, taking, you know, little baby steps first, which was, you know, capturing as much of the information and storing it in spreadsheets. What we're finding now is organizations are interested in leveraging systems to more effectively report on, you know, the status of compliance to the things that are important to them in a dynamic way so that they can, you know, trend over time, how they're performing, whether they're improving, identify and isolate problem areas to more effectively uh, uh, take their program in, in, in the right direction and then provide better service for, for, for the bank. Makes sense. Um, one last thing. What, what, what do you see out of, you know, the vendors here, the conference this year? What's what's the next big thing for, for 2007? I mean, last year it was authentication, multi-factor authentication. What's What do you see coming up this year? IT risk and compliance. IT risk and compliance. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. We're now speaking with uh, Ben from Calyptic Security, and uh, my question is for some of our more technical audience, um, how do you deal with a uh, solution that is non-signature based? Well, at Calyptic Security, our founders, Dr. Yulian Zeng and Lawrence Teo, both of whom have extensive experience in financial industry and government uh, working with them to, to develop solutions, developed a proprietary patent-pending algorithm that looks at traffic without signatures. It's not behavioral-based, it's not signature-based, it's not heuristics, but it uses a risk normalization technique that looks at what is normal versus what is not normal, and it calibrates the risk associated with the traffic. We've currently deployed that with email traffic, and we have had the success uh, that, that in our lab testing has outperformed the major vendors. Uh, at customer sites, we've stopped both the wormstration as well as the storm Trojan virus that most recently propagated, uh, and I think some of the larger antivirus vendors have, have identified that storm Trojan was one of the most prolific email viruses in the last two years. And we were able to stop that without signatures, with software that was released well before the, the, the major guys even identified the virus. And what does this mean for uh, financial institutions and users? Well, end users can rest assured that the, the culprits that are propagating threats by email currently are not able to penetrate our customers' environments with those new threats that have not yet been identified. So, for instance, if you had an organization and were concerned about a threat targeted just at you, but maybe not targeted at the broad populace, to try to get a Trojan inside a bank that was not yet been discovered, we would offer a solution to help protect the bank from being infected with that unknown Trojan. Okay. Okay. Very interesting. Thank you very much. Thank you. We're speaking with Lance at Centrify, and they have a product, um, I'll let him control. describe it, Direct so Control. Centrify Direct Control enables any Unix machine to be managed from an Active Directory infrastructure. So from the compliance side, we can say, we know where all the computers are, we know who has access to it because we look in Active Directory and we can see that, even though it's the Unix environment. Okay, and how is this going to help a bank or a credit union or a financial institution um, satisfy something that an auditor is going to be looking for? So where you have an environment today of an Active Directory infrastructure managing all the Windows machines and then a number of stovepipes for different Unix environments, all of it centralized into Active Directory. So reports from there will show me who has access to my Windows machines, who has access to my Unix machines, and all of the policy management is done from Active Directory. And there's all kinds of reporting, exactly. actual physical, something that they can show an auditor right, or, right. Or, or somebody that's coming in as far as compliance goes. Okay. And where do you see this going, you know, in 2007 and the future? For 
for finance industries. I know that there are uh, many vendors in here that have automated regulatory compliance products or services. I mean, what are some of the um, roadblocks that financial institutions are going to have to face? So we see a lot of customers come to us that have just failed an audit and say, we, we need to get into compliance. What can you do to help us? And by taking a look at what we do, a lot of their audit requirements kind of turn up as checkboxes. Yes, we can do that. We can do that. We can do that. The reporting helps us get through the next audit and show that we okay. are. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you very much. We're here with Andre Kearns from Cloakware, and he is going to give some words of wisdom to our banking and credit union audience. Uh, we find that a lot of our customers um, are uh, really dealing with a lot of compliance heat around managing their data center passwords. Okay. Uh, so, with Sarbanes-Oxley and PCI and a lot of the regulation, um, they're pretty broad-reaching in terms of the requirements uh, to be in compliance, and we find across a lot of banking organizations that one of the weak links in their compliance strategies is around uh, managing administrative and embedded application passwords. They're not doing that. They're not doing it securely and they're not regularly changing those passwords. Uh, and so uh, we offer a secure approach to managing those data center passwords, those administrative passwords and uh, embedded application passwords, which really uh, represent the keys to the kingdom in a lot of respects. If you're able to uh, pick off some of those uh, passwords, um, that poses a pretty significant insider threat. You can do right. some damage. So that's what we're here uh, uh, telling people about, and uh, we're excited about our prospects. How about reporting? What do you guys do as far as um, reporting goes? Sure. So our for auditors uh, yeah, or so you know, anybody tool, that comes in. Yeah. Our tool provides a full audit trail and full reports around um, how often you're able to change, uh, you know, your data center administrative and uh, uh, hard-coded application passwords because I know that's a key component also of, uh, of compliance with the major uh, pieces of regulation, whether it be SOX, PCI, FISMA, uh, you know, and what have you. Okay. All right? Great. Well, thanks for the words. Right. Thanks a lot. All right. So we're speaking now with Ryan MacArthur and Patrick Audley of Cognito. They have a very interesting multi-factor authentication solution, and um, I'm going to let them explain how financial institutions can use this um, as a solution to authenticate their users. Well, Patrick, you might as well describe the product, and I'll talk about how it addresses a lot of the problems. <laughs> Fair enough. Sure. So we uh, we have this uh, incredibly fun, easy, fast system that allows banks to gather a huge amount of information about their users, about the, about their behavior and about who those users are. We do that all in a completely anonymous way. It doesn't compromise the privacy of the users, but really allows banks to make very risk-sensitive decisions on whether users should be able to do things or shouldn't be able to do things. So that if a user is at a strange internet cafe in Turkey and they're, they're trying to check their online balance or pay their bill, that's not a risky behavior. They shouldn't be impeded from doing that. But if that same person, even if it's the right person, shows up trying to do uh, you know a million-dollar fund transfer out of their account, in those cases, we apply additional security and we allow banks to make those determinations. Minimum security possible for a given situation, maximum amount of information. Right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, as, you know, as every financial institution knows, every one of their customers offers a different set of problems. And, you know, as a, as a, as a company, we've looked at it from the perspective of you can't have one product to solve everyone's problems. So what we try to do is design a platform that will allow, you know, institutions to, you know, find out what their users' needs are and address those needs given their specific, you know, their specific technologies. And, and for us as a company, we look at this as, you know, as being problem solvers. You know, we don't develop products, we like to develop solutions. And, and that's, you know, a big differentiator for us in the marketplace. So I've seen the demo. I, I can't wait to try it out again after after seeing it. Give me a little background on, you know, your, your psychology aspect of this versus, um, you know, some of the other solutions that are out there, hardware-based tokens mm -hmm. or, you know, analyzing IP addresses yeah. or, or something along those lines. Sure. I mean, the, uh, the really sort of flag flagship technology that we built uh, a lot of our product around tries to model the way that humans make security decisions. So we look at really successful models in physical security. We look at things like uh, Israeli airport security where they sit you down and they, they interview you. It's entirely based on observation. So we put we put users in, instead of a, an angsty memory, we put them in a very fun memory from their past. And then we watch their behavior. We watch how they're responding to, to questions about that event. We actually don't care about the answers. That's irrelevant. What's more important is, is how they 
they're reacting, how they're how they're processing the information in their mind. It turns out that's incredibly unique to people. Sure, and um, you know, I've, I've like I just said, I saw the demo. What? How does this integrate with existing um, solutions or existing applications? I know that you had mentioned before that if you do have a system in place or you'd like to use this with other um, authentication devices, I'll call them, for lack of a better word, how does it fit in? Right. I mean, we, we take input from anything that we possibly can. So if there's an existing system that's been deployed, for, say, for tokens, for instance, or an existing knowledge-based system, we'll use that as one of the factors that feeds into, into our consensus model to determine risk. We really see ourselves in the financial industry as a, a second factor authentication vendor. We, we fit in, we allow banks to leverage all of the existing security technology that they might have, feed it all into one single risk model so they can consolidate all that information from different places. And we also future-proof it in some ways. I mean, as new technologies come out, we will integrate those technologies into our risk models so that so the banks know that, you know, buying our solution doesn't mean that, you know, next year they're going to be ripping it out for whatever is the darling of the industry. And this is the only thing that they could use. Exactly. Right, right. Um, I mean, I guess the way to look at it is, you know, companies come out with products to solve a specific problem. Well, you know, we've developed them, you know, under Patrick's uh, expertise is, is a platform. You know, it's an authentication platform, a security platform that will allow you to leverage, you know, all of your old products and then, you know, not worry about what new products coming out next year because you've already taken care of that with this platform that will allow you to integrate those products as they come available. Without changing the user experience, which right. is actually really, really important. I mean, I think uh, I think the user gets uh, gets the the short end of the stick in a lot of security solutions, and we've taken a lot of time to make sure that the user actually enjoys this solution. It's something sure. they're not going to walk away from. Sure. And it seems like it's a little bit um, a little bit more robust than some of the other solutions that might just deal with um, you know extra security questions or something along those lines, pinpointing high risky transactions. We we really do try and look at the broadest possible set of security information. So, I mean, if, if we we recognize the computer as a common system that's being used from a common location, sure, that, that definitely makes it less risky for that individual. But we don't just look at that. We also look at, at any biometric data that we can collect, any behavioral data on that user. We try and figure out, really, what is their personal risk profile? What makes risky behavior for them? And what's not risky behavior? So that the bank can restrict their expensive security or their uh, arduous security to only those transactions that are actually risky. I mean, you always hear the, I guess, the old adage of authentication and security is either sort of from a user of, you know, what you know, or is it what you have, or is it, you know, what you are in the case of a biometric. But, you know, as a user, I am all of those things. I am also what I know. I am also what I have, and I am what I am. And we've tried to incorporate all of those things into this platform, and we believe that that is sort of a true validation of what a user is and who that user is. Okay. Well, thanks for the words from Ryan and Patrick from Cognito. Thanks, Mike. Okay, now we're speaking with Richard Thiel of CoreTrace. Um, my question is, tell me how your product is a little bit different than the behavioral model products that are protecting networks and computer systems. Our system we call it using configuration enforcement, where we're completely defining what can and cannot run on each individual computer. Now, hopefully everyone's built many computers the same, so the job is a whole lot easier. But by doing that within the kernel, you know what you put on the box in the first place. And if that's the only thing that can run, even if you're administrator, then you start asking yourself, well, why am I spending all this money doing antivirus and doing patches all the time if the thing that they did won't run anyway. We'll bypass it. We'll bypass. I can save a lot of money and time by leaving things the way I set them up in the first place. If I can make it so that I only do patches maybe every three months, maybe every six months, think about how much money you save. And it also gives you time to make sure everything still works together the way you spent the time in the first place rather than being under the gun. Sure. So t tell me about, um, you know, specifically for an insider threat. This is very um, paramount as far as financial institutions go, banks and credit unions. They may have admins or employees that either knowingly or unknowingly are running um, bad executable files or malicious content. How is this technology going to address that? We felt it was important to have a completely independent system that defines what can and cannot run. So with our system, even if you're the domain admin or root in the Unix systems, you can't put new executables in the box. You have to come in through our system 
can put define what can and cannot run on those boxes. So what that means is end users, even with USB devices, can't install or run things. And a lot of apps, you don't have to install them, you just run them. So those don't run. Bad admins can't put things on. So, and with our system, we designed it so that it was very powerful from an enterprise standpoint. So one person can manage huge numbers of computers, so therefore you can give those keys to a lot less people. Okay. And therefore you reduce the number of people you're trusting. And that could be social engineered because let's face it, some employees unknowingly will be the ones right. that will do things that are against company policy. This way the company policy is enforced on each box every minute, every day. Okay. Well, thanks for the words. Uh, Richard from Portrace. Thank you. Hey, we're speaking with Brian Bain, VP of Marketing for Counterstorm. And uh, my question is, um, what does the finance industry, specifically community banks and credit unions, um, what do they need to be aware of moving into the future outside of perimeter attacks? How are they going to assess zero-day exploits, things that they don't know about? Well, the finance industry is the most frequently targeted um, sector. The, uh, the, the primary problem that they face is that the black hat community has shifted their motivation from digital vandalism to, to, uh, to profit. Making money. <laughs> so they're now employing you know, very stealthy, sophisticated kinds of targeted attack techniques um, with the intent of gaining access to their infrastructure so that they can steal information. But that information can be you know, social security numbers, account username, passwords, um, generally the kind of things that are going to mean that the institution suffers a financial loss. Right. The, the problem with that is that conventional security tools aren't designed to focus on niche, narrowly focused kinds of exploits. Right. They're designed to be marketed to the masses, they're signature oriented. So the financial institutions are under pressure to develop you know, you know, new tools that enhance their ability to recognize anomalous behavior. Um, because that's the only way they're going to be able to detect whether or not there's a zombie or some sort of Trojan, you know, that's been carried into their network. That's that's the other problem. Is oftentimes the or the black hat community they're using using social engineering, you know, yeah. targeting their users, not necessarily the technology. Right. So they they want the bank employees to carry these exploits into the organization on their laptops or to you know to open an email message, um, you know, or, or they're calling them on the phone, you know, trying to, to harvest, you know, confidential information with the intent of, of engineering or designing a custom-built attack. Counterstorm is was explicitly funded to detect those kinds of anom anomalous behavior patterns. So we have, uh, you know, we've announced a statistical uh, layer seven or uh, application layer uh, behavior analysis technology is the first of its kind in the market. And the product is designed to enhance the security systems that are already in place. So this is not a rip and replace solution. It's, you know, we can come in and, and do a threat assessment to see whether or not this type of behavior already exists. Um, and we can work with your existing security providers to make this part of the ongoing, you know, network monitoring. So you you spoke of some, um, you know, vulnerabilities or, or bad things, quote unquote, that are happening. What, in your experience, are some of these vulnerabilities that you've come across in the past, and where do they seem to be going? Well, the big ones right now tend to be, you know, bots. Uh, you know, botnets are, you know, everybody. Depending on you talk to Microsoft, Symantec, every major security researcher says that the botnet is the primary tool of the cyber criminal today. Right. So it, it's bots, it's uh, it's Trojan downloaders where they, they want to get uh, keyloggers and such, you know, onto the onto the network. The recent TJX, um, you know, exploit. You know, they, that's how they lost a lot of their information was was you know systems that were capturing confidential information and sending it out of the enterprise. Um, 
you also can't under uh, undervalue the, the the you know constant vulnerabilities associated um, you know with uh, commercial software. Sure. Last year, in the first half of last year, there was you know almost uh, 2,300 software vulnerabilities in Microsoft code. And that's the that's the largest ever you know in a six month period. Yeah, yeah, so that. even though you know, even though Microsoft and every other commercial software vendor is trying to to make their you know their software more secure. You know, they put a big yeah, target on, on, yeah. on the back. You yeah. know, the, the black hats are out there trying to break it. They're selling exploits, and again, that's really the danger. You know, for the, uh, the banking IT officer or security officer, is that the the selling of exploit code is nearly as profitable as the marketing of commercial security code. You know, so with with their their orientation or the black hat orientation being profit driven now, they're not wasting these exploits on industry, you know, wide events. Sure, sure. You know, they want to stay under the radar. They want to be very narrow. Keep it a focused, secret as long as possible. Keep it a secret. No. Steal as much as they can. Right. And unfortunately, that means that you know that the the, the tools that are being deployed to, to look for the common types of exploits, you know, provide no value for the target of attack. And that's where counter very interesting. Well, thanks for the words, and uh, good luck at the show. Great. Thank you very much. Okay, so now we're speaking with uh, Donald Vanderwall of CrossTech, and uh, my question is, what are the benefits of a software-based um, solution as opposed to an appliance-based solution when you're monitoring your networks, keeping them secure? There are several benefits to having a software-based solution. Among them is the cost. We don't have a hardware cost associated with our solution because we are software. We're going to run on your infrastructure. We can be deployed around your network instead of at the central hub like an appliance would have to be. We have a solution in place automatically because we're software for disaster recovery and for hot site backup, not an additional hardware expense, it's just a license key. We also have the ability to give you onboard forensics, onboard compliance reporting, and onboard uh, monitoring with alerting mechanisms so we can correlate all the events that are coming through in real time and raise the flag if there's some sort of uh, malicious attack going on that you need to take an action on. Not only can we run on your hardware, but we can also be deployed on popular devices like uh, USB thumb drives and go from place to place, plug it in and play uh, for an audit review. How about, you You just mentioned um, PCI compliance before. What is a solution like this? How is that going to help a, um, a financial institution with PCI compliance? Sure, good question. Out of the box, we can gave you compliance reports already pre-made for HIPAA, Sarbanes-Oxley, GLBA, PCI, and FISMA. We're adding more to that portfolio all the time. These are not really reports, but they are report templates. We have over 250 report templates. You can run them as is. You can add your own parameters. Customize them. You can even go at the, uh, the SQL calls underneath the covers and modify the SQL to your heart's content so they're optimally uh, configurable to fit your needs or, like I said, run them out of the box. Very interesting. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your take. Thank you. Okay, we're talking with uh, Adam at CyberArk, and uh, I wanted to get your take on uh, specifically SOX compliance or auditing issues within the finance industry. Uh, it's a great question. It's really uh, very topical over the last year, year and a half, but really more topical over the last six or eight months. And what we're finding is the auditors are getting much more into the IT systems and into the IT uh, environment and looking specifically at very concrete problems. Uh, our specific problem we address is super users. How do I manage the super user, the password, tracking, the changing, sure. the securing? And what's interesting is that issue has not only been identified from a SOX audit perspective, both internal and external audit, we're also seeing the OCC bank examiners identifying this within the banking area from an assessment perspective as well. Um, what's interesting about the issue is it's not just a broad issue across different types of devices. Now the auditors have started getting into the application-to-application -application environment and saying as the applications talk to each other, how do we deal with those identities? Sure. So it's a broad issue, it's a deep issue, and it's being identified by the auditing and the OCC communities as well. So you mentioned the OCC. I mean, what are what are some of the findings? What are they expecting 
banks to do nowadays, banks and credit unions? They want them to, number one, secure the access to those systems. Number two, they want to personalize those access to those systems so they're not just generic system administrator, but it's Adam Bosnian as system administrator logging in. Sure. But even on top of that, they want to make sure that I want to capture the information of what that person is doing when okay. they get on that target system. And how they're supposed to be doing it? And then have a very nice detailed audit trail to say, there's a privilege account, here's the, all the activity that went around it, and we can show that we have control over it because of the policies that we put in place. Okay. So how does your product sort of satisfy those needs? Uh, our product starts by, uh, uh, first of all, the core part of our product is what we call a digital vault. It's a secure repository and sharing platform. But more specifically, what we do is we take those password objects, we centralize them, system administrator, super user, Cisco enable, right. application identities. We centralize them in our secure repository, and we force an authentication. If you need a password, you go through us. Okay. When you authenticate, now you know that it was Adam Bosnian that got that password. Now it's no longer a generic, non-personalized password. Okay. okay. I have a nice audit trail of that. After I use the password, I return it. Our system goes out and automatically changes that password. So now Adam can't log in later on because he remembered the password. The password's changed. It's no longer valid. Um, now that we have that in that system, now we have that nice detailed audit trail that says it's secure. I know who accessed it. He returned it at this time. It's now been changed. If anything happened between 103 and 109 when Adam had the password, I know who to go to. You would be locked. Yeah. And that's what the auditors want. That's, that's exactly, exactly what the auditors want. want. They want the granularity to know yeah. who's who in the zoo and who's doing what. Okay. okay. Well, thank you very much. Adam from CyberArk. Great. Thank you. We're speaking now with Tom Desat from Digital Defense, and I'm going to ask him for his take on the banking, community banking, credit union, and finance industry. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, there is a lot going on right now. Uh, we're getting contacted by, by credit unions and banks uh, pretty much across the board looking for advice on, on different products, different services, things of that nature. But I guess the one thing that, that I'd want to get across to your listeners is that what credit unions need to be focusing in on more, and banks as well, is not so much about the product that they're going to be buying, but the methodology that they're using to make that purchase. Uh, we're making a lot of recommendations to financial institutions about the use of risk assessments, uh, simply to go through, determine what their high-risk hosts are, look at the threats that are associated with those hosts, and then begin looking for the technologies that are going to provide them the protection that they're looking for. But what I keep saying all too often is that many organizations are going out and simply purchasing a product uh, in hopes that it's going to protect them, but in all actuality, the threats that uh, it's protecting them against aren't really uh, important to that particular host or that particular system. And so, uh, you know, if I could get anything across to your readers, or your listeners, I'm sorry, would primarily be that, you know, do your due diligence, do your risk assessments, understand what your critical systems are, understand what your key threats are, know where your data's at, who's accessing it, uh, and then make the decisions on, on the technologies, whether it's an IPS, a firewall, an antivirus system, a database encryption methodology, anything of that nature, before you make that purchase, know that the money that you're spending is well spent. Okay. You mentioned um, risk assessments. That has to be uh, probably the most researched topic on our, our network of sites. What can you tell me a little bit more about that, or, or how does your product help deal with that? Well, uh, the methodology that we utilize is out of Carnegie Mellon University, uh, a software engineering institute. We, we typically utilize the Octave methodology. Uh, we, there's a smaller subset, which is the SRA version of it, which we found to be very useful in the financial institutions. Uh, it's very self-guided, uh, and it's very, very easy for someone to understand and go through and do the process on. Uh, we've looked at some of the others. Obviously, we've looked at NIST. We've looked at STAR, uh, all of the, the different methodologies that have come out in the, in the regulatory guidance that, that's been flying out. Uh, but what we still tend to keep finding is that Octave just seems to be a much easier method for organizations to use. Uh, they don't have to, to be a professional, a, a risk assessment professional. It can be done by someone in IT, by someone in risk management. Uh, I've even had organizations where it's the CEO, the chief operations officer, people in HR that are doing them. So it, it's very cross-functional. It's not IT-centric, and, and that's why we like it. Okay. Well, thanks for the words, Tom. Digital Defense. Thank you so much. 
Okay, so we're speaking with Amr from Digital Persona. They are experts in biometrics, specifically fingerprint technology. And my question to him was, um, what are some of the perceptions from the banking and finance industry, banks and credit unions, um, as far as adopting biometric solutions? And why shouldn't they be worried? Uh, I think I agree they should not be worried. I think it's a perception in the industry that uh, fingerprint is costly or it's really not a mature solution. I think one of the things that we offer at Digital Persona is a complete solution end-to-end -end that is really good for the enterprise. It's probably one of the only offerings out there. Uh, the, the solution is easy to use. That's another issue. Some people have the perception that solutions, and they're correctly so, solutions that are available are not necessarily easy to use. Our solution, we focus on usability, on ease of use, we also focus on the central server authentication, so everything is centralized. The IT manager control the deployment, they, can, they manage the access, they are in charge of everything. There are no Maverick users out there that can go off on their client machines and do whatever they want. The IT department deploys it, configures the policies, pushes the policies, enforces the policies, and hence you get the compliance piece, you get audit trails that help you as a corporation achieve compliance. Last thing is obviously interoperability. If you want to invest in, in hardware and software, you want that software to work on all your machines. And at Digital Persona, we, in our last release, we decided to support not only our hardware, but we also support the uh, sensors that come in notebooks so your investment is protected. Uh, we, you know, one of the things, you know, obviously, once you use our software, you might as well forget about passwords. All what you need is a finger and your employees can be productive. They can access that application with one touch. Now, you mentioned, um, you know, I know that you guys offer both hardware and software which is a little bit different than some of the other solutions. People might only offer the fingerprint scanner, they might only offer software. How does that set you apart and what is the difference between that and say you buy a brand new laptop and it's got a fingerprint scanner on it? Um, how does that work into a bank's network? Yeah, I mean, if you, if you buy, if somebody buys a laptop or a notebook with a sensor in it, all what they get is a desktop, a client piece of software. And an enterprise is looking for a complete solution. They want end-to-end, the -end. they want the authentication server, they want the software that's running on the machines to be all the same. So from, from management, it's much easier. And this is really what we offer. Nobody wants different kinds of software. Everybody wants consistency. IT managers want consistency. They want to be able, when they push a piece of software updated, it goes to all machines. They don't have to worry about, what does this machine have? I have to go to that machine, walk over, or you know, send someone to physically set it up. We do everything local, and you, you get a true enterprise solution. Okay. Well, thanks for the uh, words, Amr, from Digital Persona. You're welcome. Thank you. So I'm speaking with uh, Martin Ryan of EDMC, EDMZ Security LLC, and uh, I have a question on the importance of identity management, specifically for the banking and credit union industry. Sure. Uh, we focus identity management not on users, but on the shared account identity management. So these are accounts that naturally don't have an identity because they're a generic account, right? such as root, such as administrator, certain service accounts. Uh, and so from a SOX component, issue, how you manage those accounts, because there is no specific personal identity to those accounts, is critical. Uh, we do that by managing the passwords for those accounts. So we can store the passwords, then we can manage the release control of those passwords, and the back-end change control. So I can release it to an authorized administrator when they need it, for the amount of time they need it. And when they're finished, I'll change it so I have a, 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 a um, identity capability because of the password. I know it was a unique password, it was signed to that person. And so the next person who has it is logging in with a different password, which gives me the accountability that you're looking for for shared accounts. Okay. I know a lot of our users are going to be interested um, in regulatory compliance, satisfying the needs of an auditor, or what they might come in and find um, as part of an IT risk assessment. I saw some interesting things with your product. How are you keeping an audit trail, something that you can show to someone that comes in, a regulator? Yeah, well, we have, uh, I, the PAR keeps a detailed audit trail for those passwords I spoke to. Another product that we have, a sister product of ours, called eGuard Post. That solves the problem of how do you keep an audit trail for remote vendor, remote third party, maybe non-trusted parties that are coming into your enterprise, maybe to service applications or the service systems or whatever they're doing. There's a lot of um, audit focus now on not just being able to say when did they come
come in by really being able to be able to answer the question, what did they do? And so we have a solution that proxies that connection and brings it back and actually re records the co connection. Very similar to a recording that you might have in a parking garage. And you can play it back in VCR fashion. So you can see every mouse, every mouse stroke, every keystroke, every mouse movement, every application they open. You have a forensic, sure, basically video copy of everything that they did. I mean, it's, I, I saw the demo. I mean, it's really like a, a, you're actually looking at someone else yeah, using yeah. the computer in real time. Exactly. It's, it's as if you're standing behind their shoulder while they were doing it. So instead of having to rebuild what they did by all these detailed logs, and, and you can never rebuild yeah. exactly what they did, here you can visually see, you can fast forward, rewind, just like a VCR. Uh, it's a, it it's is like a recording the, the, the of the ultimate system. presentation for, for an auditor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it wouldn't be for every connection, but those critical third party and or maybe remote administrative connections or, or connections to very sensitive servers that PCI audits or SOX audits are going to look for. They're really starting to ask the question, we're finding, what do they do? So both from shared password management or remote vendor uh, access, probably I'd say 90% of our customers uh, are, are driven uh, by SOX and PCI compliance. Sure. The solutions are deployed in three of the five largest financial services uh, companies in the world, uh, as well as throughout the credit union. So we go from the small, maybe SME level all the way up to the, the very largest uh, financial services companies in the world are deploying both solutions. Okay. Well, thanks for the words of wisdom from uh, Martin from EDMZ Security. All right. Thank you. Okay, we're speaking with Phil Naray from uh, Guardium, and I wanted to ask Phil, um, tell me about the insider threat, and tell me how um, financial institutions, banks, and credit unions can address that issue. Sure. Uh, in most companies, the sensitive data is stored in databases, and the key issue for these organizations is monitoring privileged users, such as database administrators, developers, and outsourcers, when they're accessing the sensitive data. And most companies have policies in place that govern how and when sensitive data is accessed, but until now they haven't had a way to enforce those policies. And so what our technology does is it watches all of the activities by any user, but especially by privileged users, and uh, creates real-time alerts if unauthorized or suspicious activity is detected. It also creates an audit trail that can be used for forensics okay. or for showing the auditors that in fact you are monitoring these activities. Okay. As far as uh, insider threats go, are you finding that a lot of this is accidental? Are people well, there's really malicious? Two parts to it. There's really two aspects to it. One is a, what I'll call data governance aspect, which is not so much that you're worried that people are going to be stealing your data, uh, but you want to be assured that the integrity of your data has been maintained. So if you're a public company and you're reporting your financial results in whatever industry you might be in, financial services, manufacturing, transportation, or energy, you want to know that the data that you use to write to create your, your financial reports has not been accidentally changed, for right. example. So that's a data governance angle, and that's very important. It's being driven by SOX. The other side is a data privacy, which would mean protecting the privacy of personal information, such as social security numbers or credit card information from insiders. And there really is a, case, a question of preventing against insider breaches, and it's the same technology that's required. Okay. Now, how can this be used? You mentioned it, um, an audit trail. I mean, how is this technology used to satisfy uh, when an auditor comes in and needs to see some sort of representation of what they're monitoring and what they're doing? Right. Well, the auditors are looking for the fact that you have policies in place and that you have a way of checking to make sure that those policies are being followed. And so what our appliance does is it monitors all the traffic and then creates reports on a scheduled okay. basis that gets sent to an oversight team in your organization okay. that address the policies that you put in place. Last question. Uh, in your experience, you're somewhat in the trenches, so to speak. What is uh, or what are some of the you know roadblocks or concerns that you're seeing from not necessarily financial institutions, but, but anybody? I mean, what are the insider threats? Is it people going in and changing uh, database records and then deleting an account, or what, what, what are the, I think, I the major think concerns? The main, the main concern is that uh, people don't know that practical technologies exist to protect against these kinds of issues. And uh, I think a couple years from now we'll look back and we'll say it, every organization How needs could you to not have, have that in place, place just yeah. like antivirus on a PC or a firewall to protect your network from, from external threats. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Words of wisdom. My thank pleasure. You.
or no. Thanks. Okay, so we're speaking with Terry and Casey from Imperva. They are database security experts, and I'd like to get their take on um, just overall database security as it pertains to the finance industry and how it can help with regulatory compliance. Well, this is Terry Ray. One of the things we're finding in the uh, in the banking and finance industry is uh, the need for separation of duty from auditing or logging. We find that uh, a number of different a number of different customers in these particular cases don't do any sort of logging at all in their data. It's actually very little in, in many cases. Sure. Um, so what what really we're finding is there's a significant need for finding a device or a product that can provide separation of duties from the audit logs in a regular database versus audit logs on this secondary device that can provide this for you over time. The other case is in, in the case of uh, uh, the uh, inherent or the, the local logs on databases, Oracle, MSQL, Sybase, DB2, these sorts of organizations. Uh, the logs themselves are oftentimes very difficult to read from, oftentimes very difficult difficult to pull information from. Mm -hmm. uh, so obviously this other this type of solution, much like an Imperva solution would be, uh, will bring, bring those logs not only to light, be able to capture those logs, but also provide an important reporting framework and search framework for forensics long-term down the road or even for auditing down the road. So um, having canned reports in a lot of cases for SOX, HIPAA, GLBA, PCI, these sorts of things are obviously nice to have as well. But really the audit portion is one of the things we're finding overall that many organizations are severely lacking in. And when it comes to uh, auditors and people coming into an organization, they're looking for sh show Some me kind of report. Sh yeah, yeah. Sh show me that people are not taking information from your database, or show me that people are not changing your database, whether it's your DBA or anybody else. And you have to be able to prove that. And so that's what you know, SecureSphere can bring to the table. Obviously, there's other things we bring to the table: with security and assessment and things as well. Sure. Um, but really, the audit I think is the the core functionality that we're finding along the compliance pieces um, to be able to store lots of information in there. Sure. Anything to add? Or well, I just say. Yeah, this is becoming increasingly important with different compliance regulations, such as PCI and SOX. For example, in PCI, you have sure. to monitor all access to cardholder data, and it's difficult for a lot of organizations to do that and to provide it in a tamper-proof format, and as Terry said, to make sure that separation of duties are maintained, that there's no way that an internal user could change or uh, remove log messages, and that's why a lot of organizations are looking at dedicated security products such as Imperva. All right, well, thank you, um, Terry and Casey from Imperva. So I'm speaking with um, Gary Malewski from NetClarity, and he's brought to our attention uh, gap analysis. And my question is, um, what are most of the proficiencies that you see in financial institutions? What, what are they missing? Well, right now, uh, most of the banks are trying to figure out how to deal with IT issues that relate to regulations. So what they need to do is do a gap analysis on their network and compare the gaps they find on confidentiality, availability, and integrity against the regulations that are pressuring them from the FDIC and from uh, the SEC. Okay. Once a gap is found, I mean, what are the, what are some of the, from your experience, what are they? I mean, what are the most prominent issues? I'll give you an example on information security. Let's say your, your bank is called, you know, bigbankco.com. You've got a nice website and your users can log in, the consumers, and do their banking online. You're running maybe a Microsoft IIS web server. You feel it's secure. You're running encryption. The version you're running has a known vulnerability that's exploitable by hackers. So the gap there is this is exploitable. A hacker can get at my confidential bank records. This would put you out of compliance with GLBA. Okay. Now, for the CFO of the bank, if he's running a, a back-end database and they're not managing it properly, there may be a gap in compliance there where when the CFO swears the oath that all the financials are attestable and true under Sarbanes-Oxley 404, then he finds out the, the numbers got mangled by a hacker who broke in, he's sure. out of compliance. There's a gap there. So they've got to and start... they don't know why. Exactly. They've got to start to look at IT, IT security, and look for gaps that affect regulations. Very good. Thank you very much. We're speaking with uh, Kevin, uh, Relational Security, and um, they are experts on IT risk assessments. IT risk assessments being the most popular topic on bankinfosecurity.com in 2006. And I just wanted to get um, Kevin's take. What, in your opinion, is the most difficult aspect of performing an IT risk assessment and reporting on it? All right. Fair question. Most difficult aspect on performing a risk assessment, especially reporting on it in IT 
IT organization that is managing all the disparate elements of data that you've got coming in. You've got automated vulnerability scanners, you've got log data, uh, you've got the people that are taking the surveys, like across the board, how do I say, all right, I've got all this information coming in, how do I correlate it back to now compliance, now regulations, right. now risks, now what have you. Right. So basically the correlation of all those disparate elements of data, and then on top of that, you've got different areas where it's coming from, because you've got the IT infrastructure, that's one side of it. You've got corporate governance, you've got policies, procedures, practices. So how do you get all that consolidated in a way that it's going to be meaningful and something okay. else that you're going to be able to address? And how about uh, specifically in the banking and finance industry, what is the importance of IT risk assessments for um, an auditor or a regulator that's coming in that wants to see proof of everything that they've done? Okay. How, how, are, how, how are they going to go about managing that? Okay, so it's a great question. Actually, a lot of a lot of our customers, that's exactly what they're looking for. So organizations come out and they have someone like FFIEC or another group coming on saying, yeah, it's great. You're saying you're doing your risk assessment. Show me where all customer data exists. Show right. me where all credit card data exists. Show me where all this is being protected. All of it comes down to using what, what's being called a risk inventory. A risk inventory is saying, I got my asset inventory. I got my policy inventory. I got all these other things. You need a risk inventory that can tell you at a glance within the organization where certain elements of data reside, where your critical services reside, and of course, you're probably going to want on top of that what you're doing to protect it so that you sure. can show it. That's the second question they're going to ask. Sure, sure. So within this concept of risk inventory, of course, it's something that needs to be kept up to date, and unfortunately, it's something that you can't scan for. It can't be automated. Right. So it has to be things like surveys. It's got to be discovery, interview, things like that. But if you can composite all that into a central risk inventory, then you're going to be well-suited for when an organization comes out and says, show me what you're doing to show protect me. yourself. Show me the report. You can't protect it if you don't know where it is. Okay. <laughs> so that's the idea. All right. Okay, thank you, Kevin, from uh, Relational Security. All Thanks. Right. Thanks a lot. And now we're speaking with Brian from Third Brigade uh, Deep Security Solutions, and um, they have some kind of uh, compliance solutions. And I'm going to ask Brian to make some comments on the finance industry uh, for some of these small to medium-sized banks and credit unions. What are some of the issues that they have to deal with as far as regulatory compliance goes? First thing is just to make sure you're uh, you've got a, a secure IT environment, and the area we deal with is called it's called intrusion prevention. Okay. So and we target servers. Uh, so our we keep the bad guys out of servers. Uh, and that's the, the the short form of it all. We have to distinguish between what is good and what is bad. And the uh, technology underneath is called deep packet inspection. Okay. So if an auditor or someone is coming in to a financial institution, what kind of report? are they going to want to see? What what does your system or your product provide that will satisfy an auditor? So satisfying, there's, you know, you can't get one report and, and pass or fail. Sure, sure. It's always a negotiation between you and your auditor. But the compliance bar is continuing to increase. So the big fear now is what if you're running, you know, you're, you're running a server's open to internet and hackers can get in and they're exploiting vulnerabilities in software. And these attacks go through firewalls. They're not virus or not worms or not picked up by standard you know antivirus software and you know through um, a hacker exploiting say a vulnerability in your database he may be able to take you know gain administrator privileges right then he lives on your server right and nobody knows and you may not know he's there and he can do all kinds of bad stuff so it's really hard uh, and you know we, we have a lot of there's a lot of logging involved as to uh, uh, who is on uh, what machine and, and when sure. where they do audit so, yeah so we, we do all of this so um, but Essentially, our software is, is really a, is preventative, it's a defensive measure, so if you know of a vulnerability, in, or when there's vulnerabilities known in um, in, um, in the software stack, it's an operating system, or your web application server, or your own custom banking application, whatever it is, uh, we would put a, a shield in place that protects, shield type vulnerability, so it stops someone from using that to break in. Okay. And uh, all kinds of, uh, the very useful logs are the attack prevention logs, that auditors love to see these because it shows you know, sure. attacks around and, uh, and here our, our software saved your server. Now, 
Um, you know, looking ahead, everybody seems to be asking, you know, I, I just attended the uh, FFIEC um, uh, speech this morning, and everybody's asking, you know, what's going to happen in 2007? What is going to be expected of financial institutions as we head into the future? Well, there's going to be increasing attention on, well, I, you know, I'll summarize it as pay more attention to IT security. Okay. So it's hard to be very prescriptive and point to a specification that everyone needs to comply to because you could comply, but you may not be secure. Right. You know, okay. spend a lot okay. of you spend your budget doing that. So you just need to uh, handle the, you know, withstand the latest threats. And these are always moving and always evolving. And the uh, this next layer of software to protect against these threats is intrusion prevention. It's uh, uh, on the host itself, uh, and it's becoming recognized as a best practice. And uh, our early customers are exactly these guys, are ones that have run a very clean shop. Uh, they've done everything they can network perimeter. Now they've got to put now they have else to work on, on the, the host, yeah. and uh, they're doing that. And um, probably the other half of our, our customer base is because of compliance, and they just you know the auditors are now asking more questions. Sure. And sure. Uh, they recognize the value of intrusion prevention. And they need to see proof that something has been done. Right. And then having logs so you can show you have a clean. Machine. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Some words of wisdom and um, good luck. No, no, yeah, thank you very much. Thanks. I'm here with Paresh Amin from Tizor Systems. Um, he is a product specialist. They deal with enterprise data auditing and protection. And my question is, what does this mean to the finance industry? And sort of how do your products help with regulatory compliance? Absolutely. So we very clearly understand that in the financial community, um, organizations like that are constantly being bombarded by by pressures uh, around regulatory compliance. Most of the finance companies that we deal with or in this industry typically have eight, ten different audits that are happening at any one particular time. So there's a lot of staff and a lot of resources that get tied to that. Constantly they are looking for ways to increase and improve on their measures from a security and compliance perspective. Our tool provides an automated solution in which we can deliver value immediately in terms of meeting some of those, command, uh, those demands. Okay. Tell me about um, SOX compliance in particular. I know uh, a lot of our uh, audience is worried about that and they come to us for education on that. How do you deal with, you know, how do your products deal with that? Absolutely. So, uh, SOX is a very, very big driver for us. And today, um, you know, many of our, our customers and prospects are dealing with the problem through either homegrown solutions or they're trying to deal with uh, setting up some level of uh, logging on the native platform themselves. What they find is that those kind of approaches do not scale and they require a tremendous amount of resources internally, highly paid resources that could be doing other priority or other initiatives that they were originally hired for. So again, by putting in an automated solution, we help reduce the total cost of ownership in a product like this and get those those staffs back on track to doing what they were hired to do originally. So when an auditor comes in, um, you know, your, your type of solution will automatically be able to generate a report, something that they can hand over to an auditor and show that they're doing what they should be doing. Absolutely. So what we've done is uh, in, 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 look, in looking at for some of the requirements and criteria in building our product, we've actually worked with assessors and auditors there. And we've actually defined, for example, if we're talking about SOX or PCI, we've actually defined what are the technology controls that govern what uh, uh, data server auditing needs to, uh, needs to have. And we've actually mapped those controls into a policy language. And, and it's not a bunch of policy language. We've defined it to about five or six lines of policy that, that get striped on our clients. And then just to support those policies, we've got corresponding reports that exactly define what the auditors are looking for. And when you show an auditor these reports, the excitement here is that the interaction between the client and the auditor instantly get, becomes reduced because they can see the capabilities right. in the Everything reports. Is in front of them. And then by, and, and then instantaneously, if the auditor sees something that they like to dive into more, the client can go right back to the tool, modify the policy based on what he's already demonstrated, and then immediately see the effect of that new policy. So it's been a very it's been a very exciting, and we've uh, we've introduced a great value proposition in the industry. Good. Well, thanks for the words of wisdom again, Paresh from Tizor Systems. Thank you very much. Good. Appreciate it. We're speaking with uh, Rick Dalmazi from VoIP Shield Systems, and um, Rick is going to tell us a little bit about the importance for um, security over voice over IP. 
Thanks very much, Mike. Uh, yes, so if, if your company has um, a VoIP implementation, uh, although it's uh, it's IP similar to data, because of the nature of voice, the open nature of voice, and the, and the sort of the real-time nature of voice, there's, it, it leaves the system open to vulnerabilities that are very specific to, to, uh, to voice. They, they are in the areas of confidentiality, so, um, you know, hacks that are aimed at uh, stealing secrets um, or intercepting information. They are um, problems uh, of authenticity, so hacks that are aimed at um, potentially spoofing uh, spoofing voice uh, voice traffic. Okay. And there are also uh, things that are aimed simply at availability, like denial of service, flooding a, you know flooding a, a server, a voice server, so that the uh, the system goes goes totally down. So what uh, what our company does, what Voice Shield does, is we have a specific suite of kind of integrated security products that you install after you've got your VoIP systems up and running, and they essentially protect your uh, your entire implementation from these very specific kinds of uh, malicious threats. So you mentioned before about um, like vulnerability assessment and, and regulatory compliance. How, how does the product fit in with that? I mean, how is that going to help an institution when the auditor comes in? Yeah, so that that's uh, that's exactly right. And that's, in fact, our, the first module of our, of our system. Um, on the vulnerability assessment side, what we do is we've got some, uh, we've developed some very specific sort of vulnerability tests, and we can test your, your entire implementation for those vulnerabilities that we've discovered ourselves to make sure there are no general security holes. But in terms of regulatory compliance, we understand and essentially map the requirements for GLBA or SOX, et cetera. Okay. Some of the, some of the you know, uh, more important uh, legislation against the different elements and potential security threats of the VoIP system. And we, we would produce, um, for example, a report saying, okay, in these areas, you should look for this. You, should, you may have some compliance problems. And it would just help the audit process uh, sure. do, doing it sort of automatically as opposed to manually. Okay, okay. very interesting. Thanks. That was Rick from uh, VoIP Shield Systems. Thank you, Mike. You have just listened to a podcast recorded from the Vendor Exposition Hall at the 2007 RSA Conference. For more information on the conference, please visit www.rsaconference.com. And as always, you can also find more information on bankinfosecurity.com and cuinfosecurity.com. Thanks for listening.